Hey, welcome to the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to listen today. We have a saying in our church, life is messy, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. So no matter where you're at in your life, we hope that this message brings you some encouragement. Enjoy. We're in the ending of a series called Expand, Expanding the Kingdom of God. We're talking about not expanding facilities. We're talking about not expanding a ministry. We're talking about expanding the kingdom through the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever heard the term revival, but uh, when a movement of God spreads through history, two things happen with God's people. Number one, there is a movement of prayer. Christians really get serious about prayer. I love Oswald Chambers' statement. I say it often from this stage. Uh, prayer does not lead you to the work. Prayer is the work. When Christians get serious about prayer, God moves. And here's the second thing. I believe both things are apparent when there is a great movement of God. Christians become generous. Generosity happens naturally for a Christian. They spend time with God in prayer, and then they become generous. Those two things happen when there's a great movement of God. I'm loving what God is doing at Hamilton Hills. I love the fact that I'm a part of a church I can give financially to that have seen over 200 people saved in 13 months. I love the fact that we can send teams to Ecuador. I love the fact that we see a movement of God in Havel. I'm loving being a part of Hamilton Hills. But one thing I do not want to take for granted is a movement of God doesn't come from preaching. A movement of God doesn't come from a ministry. A movement of God doesn't come from expanding a building. But a movement of God comes from God's people talk to him constantly and they live a generous life. If Hamilton Hills is to continue to expand spiritually, Hamilton Hills will continue to expand its prayer life and expand its generosity. And so as we end this series, Expand, we're talking about building the kingdom of God. You know, I was thinking the other day, I don't know if you remember the story where Jesus takes a little boy's lunch and turns it into enough to feed thousands of people. In Matthew chapter number 14, if you want to turn there, it'll be on the screen, we pick up a story where this boy was bringing a lunch pail, two fish and, and five loaves he was bringing. And we look at verse number 13, it says, when Jesus heard about it, He heard about people were hungry. There was no food. He withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. When the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. When evening came, the sun was going down. The evening came, the disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted and it is already late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. And then Jesus said, they don't need to go away. Can you imagine being that disciple? He's, he's checked the crowds. The other disciples have checked the crowds. Thousands of people there, they're all hungry. There's no food. And the disciple comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, you need to send them away. Uh, I don't know if I would be that disciple to go tell Jesus. But isn't it amazing how we talk to Jesus sometimes? We tell Jesus, we doubt We tell Jesus, no, I don't think that's correct. We tell Jesus, no, I don't think that's what the plan is for my life. We tell Jesus all these things, and and, and that kind of represents humanity, doesn't it? The disciple came and said, Jesus, we must send them away, and then he said this, they don't need to go away. Jesus told them, you give them something to eat. Now, not only did the disciples say, there's no food, and we need to send them away, Jesus' response to the disciple was what? Now, you go feed them. Well, wait a minute. I, I, I just told you that there's no food but yet you want me to go feed them. And then we see an interesting dialogue here, but we 
only have five loaves and two fish here. They said to him, bring them here to me. Jesus wanted the five loaves and two fish. And could you imagine if you're a disciple? Boy, he can't be serious about this. He can't be serious about bringing him five loaves and, and two fish. It's just this little boy's lunch. That's all we have. And, and Jesus took that. And then you notice in verse 19, it says, Then he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of leftover pieces. Now those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Here's the moral of the story. Think about this question. Do you ever wonder what Jesus would have done if he didn't have five loaves and two fish? What if he only had one fish and two loaves of bread? It wouldn't have made a difference, would it? It wouldn't have made a difference because it would have been the same outcome. He could have done the same miraculous work with one piece of bread and and one fish or even a breadcrumb and a fish fin. Here's the point. The amount we give matters far less than the spirit in which we give it. The amount we give to God matters far less, but the spirit in which we give it. That's the principle at work when we talk about generosity in the church. In the same way, Jesus took what the boy had and increased it. God multiplies our giving when we offer it in surrender and faith. Think think about this statement. It has nothing to do with how much money we bring, but that we are willing to place it all in the hands of Jesus. Some people think they'll be generous when they get a lot of money. It has nothing to do with the amount. If you read that statement, it has nothing to do with how much money we bring, but that we are willing to place it all in the hands of Jesus. In other words, we trust Jesus with our money. We trust Jesus with our efforts. We trust Jesus with our finances. We trust Jesus with our life. And the disappointing thing about Christianity is there's many Christians who really, when it comes down to it, don't trust Jesus when it comes to certain areas of their life. And the moral of the story with the two loaves and the five fish is for you to trust Jesus with all that you have, and he will multiply it to expand the kingdom. When Paul starts his conversation about generosity, we've been studying 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to, we're going to stay in that the rest of the time. But when you, when you study this point, when Paul starts talking about giving, it's interesting what he says. He starts talking about giving. He doesn't start with a need that God has, but with grace God wants to give. He doesn't start talking with this great need. He tells the church in Corinth that God wants to give grace to them. Look at verse number 10 of 2 Corinthians 9. It says, Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply seed, your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. Write down those words, in every way. Write it down. Type it in your your phone or, or write it on your notes or write it in your Bible or underline it. In every way. Those are going to be important words in this study in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. It says in every way. We'll come back to it. For all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. This text is important when it comes to living a successful Christian life when it comes to generosity and understanding that even the person with the smallest amount 
can expand the kingdom of God. You see, here, here's, here's a principle you need to understand. God is not short on money, but the giving by his people is the means by which he pursues his mission on earth and releases his abundance. God's not short on money. God doesn't need your money. God has chosen to use his people with the money they make to expand the kingdom through the mission of God by telling others the good news. It's how God multiplies grace in our lives. Paul says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your your, notice he's saying the word your, that means you, that's deep, that's, that's the theological term for you, your, I'm just, you aren't with me, come on, the, your, then it, he says the word, in, in the word every, it's a promise repeated throughout scripture, honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits, that's the concept of tithing all through the Bible, and Proverbs chapter number three, verse number nine, it says this, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. What was he saying? Give the first tenth to God. Give the first tenth in generosity to the ministry of God. Then he says this, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. But Paul doesn't mean that this is just an investment program. Every, the word every, is a big, expansive word. The image of sowing here is uh, really an illuminating one. What we harvest in sowing often looks quite different than what we planted. It doesn't mean you're going to get back what you plant. It doesn't mean it's going to look the same. When God says that he will give you back abundantly, when he'll give you back what you gave, it doesn't mean that you'll get it in the same form. Have, in, in fact, think about this. Have you ever seen a peach seed? Have you ever ate a peach? Anybody in here ate a peach before? Raise your hand if you ate a peach. Have you ever seen the seed? You're not supposed to eat those seeds. In fact, uh, you, you may die by trying to swallow it. But a peach seed, it's this hard, ugly thing that they call a peach seed. Uh, we were in Ecuador, and, and there was this plant that you open up, and you scoop out the, the seed, and it's how they make chocolate. And it is the nastiest-looking thing you have ever seen. And it's disgusting looking. I love chocolate, but after, after seeing that, I don't know if I want to eat chocolate for a minute anyway. I think of a peach seed. It's hard, ugly. It looks like a rat brain. In fact, but from it comes a tree with luscious fruit. In other words, you plant that seed that's ugly, hard, and a, and a tree with fruit blossoms on it. Hey, how you sow may not look the same. Uh, is what you get back. You may have sowed a peach seed and get something different. It doesn't all look the same. What, what, what he's saying is, is, hey, God's going to take care of you. You trust him with your money. You trust him with your life. He wants you to expand the kingdom of God, and he promises us a blessing in our life, and he'll take care of us forevermore. And as you look at this passage of Scripture, this is important, and I want to give you a couple things that generosity does the benefits of generosity for a Christian. Well, let me give you a couple statements. Here's the first one. Giving produces greater contentment. Giving produces greater contentment until Facebook came along. The enemy of contentment is comparison. I, it's hard to be content in the social media world. It, we're, we're, we're in the, the, the season of family pictures. 
it's funny, the, yesterday I was doing a, a walk in the morning, the wind wasn't so bad, and, and uh, I was ending my walk and the wind was picking up and there was a family trying to take a picture when the wind was going and they had little kids and the little kid kept running around and finally the dad was chasing the kid and I'm laughing my head off saying, thank you Jesus, I don't have a two-year-old anymore. And, and, and they watched him and that mom snapping her fingers. Well, that's not going to be on Facebook. This is. We live a comparison life which causes us not to be content anymore. But when you give away, when you live a generous life, many have said that the secret to a happy life is not having all you want, but wanting what you have. Wanting what you have. Paul says it this way, godliness with contentment is great gain in 1 Timothy 6, 6. Godliness means contentment, and contentment gives you great gain. When you're generous and you, you give more than you get, you start producing contentment in your life that you're okay. When we think of benefits, we often think of some material gain, money, a house, a car, something that is material, but one of the greatest benefits anyone can possess is contentment in life. Let me tell you, you can get the dream house and, and you're going to miss contentment. You can get a new car and eventually that new car smell goes away and there's no more contentment. There's nothing in this world. There's no guy, there's no girl, there's no job, there's no career, there's no anything materially speaking that will last for eternity with contentment. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ and looking to the author and finisher of your faith and being generous with who he is in you will make you truly content long term. And generosity produces contentment. Here's another thing. Giving increases your love for the kingdom of God. Putting your treasure in a place actually makes you begin to love that place. I, I, I knew a guy who loved IU, Indiana University. He was a huge fan. He loved IU. But then his daughter went to Purdue. And it's Purdue's day today. I mean, they beat Ohio State. And then I wrote this before they won. I was trying to cheer up Purdue fans, but now I'm just putting fuel to the fire, I guess. But his daughter went to, he loved IU, then his daughter went to Purdue. After a while, he started cheering for the Boilermakers. Why? Because when you give $75,000 a year, you're going to cheer and you will be a Boilermaker. It's true, isn't it? What the Bible says. Wherever your treasure is, your heart will be there also. You see, wherever you invest your time, wherever you invest your money, wherever in your life there's generosity, it can be selfish generosity, your heart will be there. It can be uh, an activity, your heart will be there. If it's giving to the kingdom of God, then your heart will be there. When you start giving to an actual place, when you become a part of a local body of believers, when you actually say and produce the financial giving, you can say, oh, I love Jesus. And you can say, oh, I give my time. And oh, you give your effort. But you won't trust God with your money. And you keep pouring into that bank account instead of giving it away. And when you start giving it away in generosity... It increases your love for the kingdom of God. Those of you that are giving toward Hawville, Indiana, it's going to increase your love for Hawville. It's piqued your interest because you started giving toward it and you hear the story of it. And wherever your heart is, 
That's where your treasure will be also. Giving clarifies your purpose. Giving clarifies your purpose. Let, let me speak to you in this room. Maybe, maybe you're a college student on fall break. Maybe you're a high school student. Let me, let me speak to you. Some of you, uh, uh, you go to college and you pick a career you think you're going to be at, so you pick your major, and then you get in college and you go, no, I, I don't think that's going to be my major, and you change your major again, and you change your major again, then you graduate from college, and you have no idea who you are, what you are, and when you are, and you think you're a failure in life. Join the rest of the crowd here. You see, we've been told a lie. We've been told, pursue your dreams. That's all I've heard. Pursue your dream. Pursue your dream. Pursue your dream. Pursue your dream. I think it's a lie. You see, you can keep pursuing a dream and it will never satisfy you. But when you start pursuing the purpose God created you for, out of the purpose God created you for, will then rise up the dream in your life to be filled So many people are chasing a dream when we should be chasing the purpose that we were created for. You may be created for a purpose of what I'm doing. You may be driving a truck. You may be coaching a sports team. You may be a teacher. You may be a doctor. You may be a lawyer. In the name of Jesus, let's hope. No, I'm just kidding. There's a lawyer on my left here. You may may be something else, but what God created you for, you find that purpose. And when you find that purpose, God will then build those dreams and fulfill those dreams in your life because your alignment will not be with a person, place, or thing. Your alignment will be with the kingdom of God in your place in it, and your dreams then will come true. It's okay to clap. Saving for yourself sometimes can really, let me give you this story. I was talking to a man on a plane, and he's in his 50s. He said that he spent the first part of his life trying to gather and save. He was already a Christian, and he always thought he was doing it for his kids. But as he began to reflect on his legacy, he realized it felt empty only as he began to give sacrificially did he begin to discover a real sense of purpose and legacy in his life. You see, giving clarifies your purpose. What you give toward clarifies your purpose. Pursue your purpose. When you become generous, giving will clarify who you are in Jesus, not who you are in stuff. You see, giving generously to you in your life financially will, will clarify what the purpose God gave you the money for. It will clarify that purpose that you have been missing. And when you find your purpose, then your dreams will come true. Those are three statements, and usually I have three. Some of you are getting excited looking at your watch, but I, I wrote four statements. Sorry. I was on a long flight home from Ecuador. Here's the fourth one. Giving produces a more loving heart. Giving produces a more loving heart. In fact, if you look what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse number 11, it says, you will be enriched in every way. In every way. For all generosity. I want you to notice that statement. Then he says this. He says, which produces... Thanksgiving to God through us. Giving produces a more loving heart. You see, stinginess shrinks your heart. It breeds isolation. The more you hoard, the more that separates. 
the more it's about you. We're, we're, we're doing our children a disservice in society. It's amazing to me the, the Christian consumerism, even in student ministries. Life is not all about us, and we understand that, but we're making it so hard for our students because we have so had them consumed that life is all about them. And so we hoard in our life. If we don't get what we want, it becomes a problem. And so we've pursued uh, to, to get things. And so it isolates us from the rest of the world. And we start living in a bubble when all we're concerned about is ourselves. You see, God didn't give you a family so your family can just be successful. God gave you a family to be successful so you can expand the kingdom of God. God didn't give you a mate so you can not be lonely. God gave you a mate so you can not be lonely and be strengthened in your marriage so then you can expand the kingdom of God. God gave your children gifts, not so they could be a star on a court or on a field. God gave them gifts so they could know Jesus and then they can expand the kingdom of God. Our success is not in a picture in a trophy. Our success is in a picture in a trophy with a student who has glorified God. You see, we're missing something in Christianity today. We're missing something in our churches, and we're all running around looking for that, that, that dream to be fulfilled, and we're all running around looking for that next high, so to speak, when it comes to things in life, and we're missing out on the fact that God's blessed us so that we can in turn bless others so they know that Jesus is real because he lives within us, and we can see, they can see Jesus in us today. I... I I'll never forget the uh, first time I was called to come here, Fishers, Indiana. Man, I, I, I was content being where I was at. And then someone called me, Wayne Yoakum called me, left me a message, and he said, uh, hey, this is uh, Wayne, and this is from Fishers, Indiana. As soon as he said Fishers, Indiana, I laughed. No way. No way am I going to Fishers, Indiana. Where is Fishers, Indiana? And, and, and now I love Fisher's Indiana. Sometimes I think I ought to get paid for being a spokesperson and salesman for Fisher's Indiana. I go out of town a lot and speak the different pastoring events. I was two weeks ago speaking at this event, and they kept introducing me, and they kept saying Fisher, Indiana. I'm like, get the name right. Phonics, S, Fisher's. I start to get offended when people don't say the name right. Like, it's Fisher's. Go to school. And then people are like, Fishers, oh, it's a little town in Indiana. Oh, and they're like, bless your heart, you live in Fishers. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's terrible life. It's awful. And the truth is now I love Fishers, Indiana. I love being a part of it. I love what it means to live here. And we have a great community and we get to do things that other people don't get to do. And it's a, a secret in most places, Fishers, Indiana. But God didn't place me here for success. And God didn't place me here to fulfill dreams. He placed me here for a purpose and it's his purpose to expand the kingdom of God. And if we don't live a generous life as Jesus followers, we miss out on our dreams being fulfilled as a Jesus follower. And so these four benefits are just some of the things God makes you abound in when you're generous. You end up being like the little boy who gave the five loaves and two fish. The five loaves and two fish. Think about that. On his way to wherever he was going, he had his lunch pail. 
Little did he know that he would end up feeding 5,000 more, more than that, people. You know, we marginalize ourselves because we think that we can never impact that many people. We can never impact thousands of people. But God says, if you trust me and you give me what you have, I will do it even more than you think I will. I want want you to notice this three words, in every way. He promises us in every way he will bless us. In every way. Say it with me. In every way. Say it again. In every way. Say it one more time. In every way. In every way when we live a generous life, and help expand the kingdom, he will bless us. You know what saddens me? That many Christians will never see those blessings of God because they're fearful and they hold on and they don't live a generous life. I think about, in closing, this this boy. After it was all said and done, they collected the leftovers and it filled 12 baskets. Think about this. Two fish... Five loaves ended up being 12 baskets. Ordinary kid. Think about it. If if an eight-year-old boy came, walked down an aisle with a lunch pail and interrupted this service, all of you would be like, oh, bless his heart. He, He needs to get out of the way. He's distracting. And that's how I picture it. This boy comes up to these disciples and says, well, I have my lunch I can give. And then the disciple says, hey, there's no food. There's nothing to give. There's not enough. But yet there was something that a little boy was willing to give. And you never know the significance of your gift, no matter the amount that can expand the kingdom of God. So this boy comes and he fills 12 baskets. It's not in the text. But I'm convinced that the little boy got to take home at least one of those baskets. I'm convinced he got to take home a basket. Can you imagine the stories about to tell his parents and his parents are going to believe a word about it? And he's taking home a basket. Imagine him walking back to his house, excited. I can't believe this happened to me. He had left his house with a Levite Lunchable and returned home with a party pack from Taco Bell. <laughs> I cracked myself up. (laughs) He was walking around with a Lunchable. That's not much food, people. Then on the way home, I picture him dragging this basket full of fish and bread. And his parents going, where did you get that? You didn't pay for it. Did you steal it? What happened? Because I believe that's how generous our God is to us when he says, in every way. He had left his house one way, gave all he had to God, and God gave him so much more back. When we are worried about what we will have to give up, we need to think instead about what God wants us to gain through generous giving. Hawville, Indiana is just one point that we were talking about, but we could be so much 
even more generous at our church. I can't wait to share even more missional stuff that's come up that God's just dropped right in our lap. But he's waiting on us to be generous here at Hamilton Hills to expand the kingdom. I, I uh, got us all armbands. Some of you may think this is dumb, but um, it just says, I accept. Two weeks ago, we had an accept the generous challenge. And people wrote up on a board here, I accept. And so I wore this this week. I accept. I was at Starbucks twice this week, and I had someone ask me, hey, what does that mean, I accept? And that's the point of it. So I could say, hey, I accepted a challenge to live a more generous life at my church. And he thought that was neat. He asked me what church we started a conversation. I thought about it a little later. If, if I told him I accepted a generous life, I should probably buy him a coffee. But I didn't. Next time. Hey, whoa, I'm not perfect either. Some of you are like, you thought I was going to tell you this inspiring story. No, I forgot. But I, I want you to take this armband home with you. Maybe you won't wear it. I hope you will because then you could have a conversation started to, to share faith. Put it where you pray, uh, in your car, or somewhere where you see it, and remember to accept the challenge that the temptation is going to be there for you to hoard. The temptation is going to be there for you to not have faith in God that in every way. The temptation is going to be for you to think that your life's not significant. The temptation is going to be for you to think you have no purpose in the kingdom of God. And the temptation is going to be for you to keep chasing dreams instead of pursuing purpose. And when you pursue purpose, you are satisfied where you're at and there's a purpose for you being there. And whatever you do in life, God's got you there so you can expand the kingdom of God. So I hope you walk out with confidence and more significance in your life, knowing in every way he will bless you and in every way he will protect you and in every way he will uh, uh, challenge you and in every way he will lead you and in every way he will never leave you. I hope that this church can live a generous life. I'll put the last slide on the screen. It's a way to give. If you have not given yet, take a picture of that. You can do it now. Do it later. Take a picture of that and take it with you to give toward Hawville, any Indiana and that project down there. And I hope that you'll participate in giving. Would you stand to your feet with me? Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you made a decision or would like to know more about us, you can connect with us at hamiltonhillschurch.org or via social media at Hamilton Hills Church. Also, if our church has impacted you in any way and you would like to make a donation, you can do so by going to hamiltonhillschurch.org slash give. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast.